Welcome back to the show. Today on the Rise in Real Estate podcast, we are sitting down with somebody who I consider to be a close friend, a mentor, Mark Kowalik. Mark is an agent at Baird Warner Real Estate, and over a relatively short period of time, he massively scaled his business using one tool, open houses. Mark is really an impressive individual. He's got an awesome backstory, and it just so happens He's an awesome guy. So we're looking forward to diving into this conversation. Throughout, you're going to hear some great tips for not only buyers who are in the market today, but also tips for real estate agents who are looking to grow their business or maybe who need some guidance on how to better hone their skills at hosting great open houses. So without further ado, here's our conversation with Mark Kowalik. Welcome back to the Rides in Real Estate podcast. We are cruising through our guest episode, and today, really excited to have somebody I consider a mentor for me early in my career, Mark Wallet. On the show. Mark, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks again, guys, for having me. Uh, I'm super pumped to, to be on the podcast. Of course. This is so, uh, for, for anybody who's coming to the show today, Mark and I both work at Baird & Warner and truly have grown our careers in what I would say are drastically different ways with how we approach doing business. So I'm really excited to have a balance to the conversation to see how you got into what you're doing today because it's super exciting especially the new ports you're rolling out and it'll be exciting to see what you can deliver for not only other people thinking about buying a home but really for agents who are growing their career so maybe just backing up yeah you know well, let's start from the beginning let's back up to how i first met you back yeah remember what would you get started Seventeen. 17 and 17 yeah. you i think you were introduced with a matching broker and then he said hey you should have coffee with Mark, uh, he seems like he might need some help. And, and you're set up, up down for whatever. Uh, I mentioned Starbucks. I knew you're going to make it the second I met you. So I that's my compliment. That. Literally, I'm like, he's yeah. <laughs> Starbucks philosophy. <laughs> he's got he's got the skill size, personable, approach approachable. And I think that David introduced us thinking that I've had success uh, early on doing open houses, and you're looking at ways to new people when you're, when you're getting started. And so it's just cool that you, as we look now, the five, six years that have passed, how you run a completely different direction. And I'm still doing the same thing. What you're doing works for you. What I'm doing works for me. And uh, I'm really excited to talk about open houses, how how they work on my end. And But almost curious to hear your story of how you tried open houses and you know how it unfolded. Oh, it's going to be such an interesting conversation because I won't lie. I am admittedly the biggest open house hater in the world. <laughs> Honestly, there are two things in the world that make me angry beyond any recognition or reasonable explanation. One is snorkeling. Just scuba dive. Yeah. Okay? Oh, Go in the water. Don't swim in the way. Stupid. Yeah. Nobody should be snorkeling. Okay? And two is open houses because I've just never been able to wrap my mind around. It's like fishing. You sit. You wait. You hope something bites. And maybe you get a client out of it. And you know what? It's probably my approach. So I'm excited to learn how you have made it not like that. Blue. Right? So so I think, and, and Derek, um, Derek, you've worked with Mark for a long time now. Yep. When you first started working with Mark, what stood out to you most about the way he does business? So let me backtrack here. This is also a very exciting episode for me too, because you guys were one of the first two people that I met in the industry as well. So to have all three of us together, crew, yeah. it's kind of fun, right? Now... The one thing that I will say that sticks out to, about Mark to me most is especially like his work ethic. Okay. And when I, and I don't think I'm doing it a great service by calling it work ethic because he's a maniac. Okay. <laughs> like when I used to live in Lincoln Park and I was out late to maybe two or three a.m. with my friends, I would go past the office and Mark would be in there working. Right. <laughs> So, when so, the bar meets the real world. Yes. Yeah. Like, oh, shit. Maybe I should probably get into this network too, right? So, I think Mark's sheer amount of work that he's willing to do and at the pace that he does it is what I think sticks out to not only be most people that work with him and be. Well, where did that come from for you, Mark? You're from Chicagoland? Yeah. Uh, uh, Born and raised in the Chicago suburb of Brookfield. Mm-hmm. You guys know the Brookfield Zoo? Oh, yeah. With that zoo, I live close to it. Now, <laughs> my folks still live over there. Uh, so it's great to always go out there. Uh, but, but my story of kind of how I went from growing up in the city, uh, growing up in the Chicagoland area, and then my adventure to college and how I came back full circle to Chicago 
which I thought I would never be in Chicago. I thought it would be a hippie stuck in the mountains. You in Colorado, right? Colorado, Colorado State. Colorado State. Uh, the ramps. Uh, so a place to leave. Yeah, no, it's, it's tough. Dead. But when you have no money, come back home. So uh, I think the, the cool thing was high school was great, but I wanted the mountains. Mountains were calling me. I did like a, uh, a summer youth group trip out there one weekend, and I said, my sophomore year, I said, you know what? I got to get my act together, get my grades up because I want to get into University of Colorado, uh, University of Colorado Boulder is where I toured that school. Yeah. I loved it. I fell in love with the campus and that was my target. So yeah. I kind of went hyper-focused on school, made sure I got my grades up. Uh, I got into University of Colorado Boulder yep. and I also got into Colorado State. I just applied to all the Colorado uh, universities around there just to as a backup. Yeah. And I applied to like one state school as just like as a black in case yeah. that didn't yeah. pan out. I got into uh, CSU at University of Colorado. Yep. I never visited CSU. I looked at the price tag of Boulder and I go, oof, CSU is about $15,000 less. Yes. I guess I'm going there. Yeah. So I went in there cold, didn't really know anyone. Is it the school? Never visited the school. Uh, went there, fell in love with it. They great friends from out of state. We was like all the whole out of state crew in the dorms. Yeah. Uh, and then fast forward my junior year, uh, college after a late night with the buddies, we were watching the movie road trip. Have you guys seen really? Yeah. It's Tom, what Green. It? Tom Green. Uh, Tom Green was a campus tour guide. Okay. If you remember his job, he was just the campus yeah, tour guy. Yeah. They had Google tours. This is the cool campus tour guy. I... 2, 3 a.m. in the morning, I go, dude, that is what I want to do for a job when I'm in college. And I figured out how to get that. In order to get a, uh, uh, to be a campus tour guide, you need to be like affiliated with a group on campus. Uh, I joined uh, a group within my college of natural resources. I was studying uh, tours of hospitality. Yeah. Uh, and then I got the job. It was the best job ever. All I did was talk. For schooling, I was a an average student, but I was slow. Like I'm a slow writer, I'm yeah. a slow reader, and but when I get talking, man, I could talk all day and night. So I was just learning this campus tour. I wish they paid commission about that because that there are how many kids of parents I convinced to go to Colorado State and referral the, fees. I was thinking the referral fee. Now I'm thinking about it. And, and, and the idea was why I bring that up because. Some one random night, how I watched the movie, this jump to get the job because I want to be like, hey, there's Mark on campus when he's giving like a tour of 20 students. I walked through the student union, like it was great. But to pivot from that is I graduated uh, with hospitality, uh, degree in hospitality. I really wanted to store, uh, start uh, a small touring company. Okay. Uh, pretty much just be stuck in the mountains, like a ski company or whatnot. I'm doing the biking company here. Yeah. yeah and so, what happened was I finished school. I couldn't stay in Colorado. Well, I did a cross country bike trip. So I was supposed to do an internship and like stay there, but I'm like, ah, when in Rome, you only have one more summer of freedom. I, my friend and I, we biked across 4,500 miles wow. from the West Coast to, to I mean, the East Coast. Oh. 81 days. 81 days of the road. We rode for likes. I think we took like, less than 10 days off wow so uh it was it was a fun experience but i came to, uh, back to chicago lived with my folks for two years and i didn't i, I had a job at the uh, at the hyatt hotel great experience but like i wanted something small business small business small business my dad uh my folks came here from poland uh and my dad was a cleaning company so i saw the idea of like Having your own business, having your uh, working hard, and you could see the fruits of your labor. So that really inspired me from a, a small business. So I hooked up something that I'm passionate about is biking. Bob's Bike Hike uh, in Chicago. They're like the largest bicycle touring and rental company. Uh, and I ran that for about like five, six years. I learned a lot about how uh, the owner, Jeremy, how he scaled his business to word about the referrals and delivering an exceptional service and experience yeah so i took that and said okay how can i relay that to something that i'm very intrigued by i love numbers i love talking let's mesh that area to to real estate so that's kind of how the story went from 
an upgrade to uh, where I got where you are now. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. You're not wrong. I mean, all the skill set is the same in each position along the way, right? It's just a different application of and a different extension of. But yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Now, the one company that I think you left out that you did start in college too was weren't you doing like ticket brokerages as well too? Don't think I forgot about that. Yes. Um, I thought I was a guy on a Saturday morning went to the library yeah and we had rows of like 20 computers uh and i had went on Ticketmaster. i mean one one funny story was saturday morning uh celine dion was having a concert celine dion like a show show with money too so pretty much what i did is i had a credit card i had multiple credit cards and i went on uh ticket buy sprees I literally took up 50 computers and I just ran down up, click refresh. My strategy was simple. And this is right when StubHub just was coming around. So it was just eBay. Mm. Uh, it was eBay and like, I was the early adopter of StubHub. Like this was, oh, eight. Uh, and one time they literally, like the cops came and like, so please step away from the computers. <laughs> I'm like, like they thought I was like hacking into the, the school system because I was running like a maniac to like refresh, refresh all the, the computers. Here you are just trying to buy Backstreet Boys. So just trying to buy Celine Dion. And that was a good run. Uh, you know, I pretty much got a bunch of tickets. Uh, my strategy was to get close to center stage in the first three rows. And I made unbelievable returns on them. So, so that was my little side hustle at so much that's amazing mark's just a hustle since college <laughs> hey I'm know, that's like uh the flipper mentality right you yeah. guys take something well add some balance and flip it around that's the same thing that concepts you know now finally a decade something they get smart to yes or down like now well should be worth more they only took about a decade yeah. so there still needs to be some type of like complete complete authoring thing in the tickets for sure yeah yeah like and i love how taylor swift's tickets this year was the one to like be the the, like the started oh absolutely you know, because everyone was up so it's pretty incredible how quickly you came into finding out what you wanted to do and i would argue that then once you applied that to real estate knowing how fast you kind of grew in this career yeah it was pretty quick to excel there too so when you started how did you get started i mean it's it's a pretty big jump to go from running a bicycle company to real estate and not only real estate but a successful real estate career yeah you know, what was the transition like? Well, another great story. I I was just getting married. Uh, I got married in September of 2015. And I started uh, full, I went full tilt uh, into real estate July of 2015. So I pretty much was getting married without a job, without an income. A little bit of a pressure uh, going into that. Uh, and my wife said, Brittany, she goes, Mark, you have six months to figure out this hobby of yours. <laughs> you can't figure out this hobby. That's rough. You got, like you got, you got to figure out something else that's, yeah. that's going to bring in some money. No joke. Uh, so I had no money. We, we had no money uh, when I got into real estate. And the idea was uh, you know, a lot of people have the mindset that like once you get into real estate, your family and friends push them hard to to get the the business from you. What I've identified is like your family and friends, they love you. They don't trust you in this profession because you don't have the experience just yet. Right. Right. Like, you know, your your cousin says, Matt, I love you. You're a great person. You just got your license four days ago and I want to buy a seven hundred thousand dollar house. I'm a real hesitant that you negotiate the ability to navigate that. Right. So I had a time, a clicking talk, a clicking uh, clock of, tiki clock, there you go, of, of six months. And I said, okay, I start dabbling with my family and friends. They're like, oh, that's so great. I'm so happy for you. But yeah. They're not going to send me leads right away. I'm not happy enough to buy a million dollar house. Yes. You know, yeah. I like you, Mark, but I don't like you enough to right. trust you to, to give you either a referral or help navigate my purchasers right in my home and so i said okay if my sphere role doesn't trust me now what's the best way to get in front of people uh and they don't know my story they don't know how long i've been there uh but if i exude confidence if i exude person if i'm relatable right approachable likable uh 
I could win their trust in a very short period of time. So my aha moment was open houses. It doesn't cost anything to do up other than your time. And so I went all in onto open houses. Like no joke, you probably saw me on that Saturday uh, at 2 a.m. Like I was prepping the fr- on a Friday for like four open houses, sometimes five that I was doing the weekend. Right. So I did two on Saturday back to back with a one hour gap. And then maybe two, two, three, if I could squeeze it uh, on Sunday. And I was doing that every single weekend. My idea was I didn't care where it was happening. I was so focused on gaining confidence and knowledge about the marketplace of different neighborhoods in the shortest period of time. Yeah. So just thinking if I was Rogers Park, if I was in Lincoln Park, uh, you know, if I was in the South Deep, I didn't care what the price point was. When I went into prepping for the open house, I spent an hour looking at, we have this data thing called InfoSpark, mm-hmm. which is graphs so you can filter one, two, three beds, no matter what it is. And if I was doing an open house for just two beds, I wasn't just looking at two beds. I was looking at what are one beds performing, what are three beds performing, what are condos compared to single family homes. And I was just soaking that all up. So when I met someone randomly on the street or at a party, and I'm like, hey, I'm working at, you know, Roscoe Village. Boom, that came to mind. I did an open house a couple weeks back. I have a general sense. Uh, I was like the politician. You don't know you don't know things specifically. You just talk vaguely. But, oh, two bedrooms are like 400-ish. That was a little about a lot. A little bit a lot. Is that, is that it? And, and, that was the, and that was the approach. So I went all in on that, and I convinced strangers to work with me. Uh, they, they knew me for what I was for those two minutes. As you know, approachable, likable, confident, knowledgeable, I won their trust. And once I started uh, getting them into homes, my clients into homes, I started posting about it on social media. Like, hey, I've sold this. Not like, hear me, look at I'm new, but it's more like, hear the results, hear the results. Yeah. And that was my marketing to my sphere. Of like, all of a sudden, six months later, a year later, like, oh, Mark, he's going to make it in real estate. Actually, I, I I, I feel confident to work with him now. And then that's kind of when it spiraled. But the six month time, uh, clock that my wife gave me, I got nothing for five months. You know that we should write Nothing. Maybe a rental or two. Like, yeah. You know, nothing to pay the, the bills long term. Five months in, someone goes into uh, my open house that I was hosting. He lives like two houses out. It was like a townhome complex. And he walks in, he goes, Man, my place is outdated. This thing is moving ready. Like, can I just buy this? I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 of course. <laughs> Don't draw it. You, you worked this deal. You helped me with leathers. Not airy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I literally went into, I said, let's meet up uh, an hour later at the office. And I literally read to the office. I'm like, dude, I didn't put a contract to Jerry. Don't do it. Uh, and it's just like, if I want to figure it out, like, I'll look it on the fly. I, I learned a lot, and I trained now. Uh, I have a couple of teammates, and I train. Uh, I love to help with new agents, but I tell that story because it's like the only way to get paid in real estate is through a contract. Yeah. So I was five months to like working hard without focusing on how to write a contract. When someone just slap in the face says, "I want to buy this house," and we see some like, crazy bad contract. It's fill in the blank. How many things could you mess up? Yeah, it just it's off. They mess it up. <laughs> yeah, all bad. I'm at the point now where I really don't like handwritten contracts. Yeah, I'm like type that thing out. Unless the you have good penmanship, yeah. right? Like some of these attorneys and some of the agents that drafted up, it looks like I did it with my left. But that's like, you know, I think you see these stats about how many people quit in real estate. I truly believe that most anybody can succeed in this business if they stick with it long enough and if they stick to a plan consistently. And I think for you, that plan, the consistency was there. It was just time. It took five months to work. Once it worked, now you have them look back. You know, I think a lot of us can relate that made it through that hump. And I think there's probably a lot of people who walked away too early because they didn't make it over that hump. Like they just didn't stick long enough. So. It's hard though, especially in the beginning when you have no dollars. Yeah, yeah. money or you're, you're working with nothing to show for it. I mean, that's that's not an uncommon story in the yeah. industry, right? It, it, it's it's you come home, your wife says, "Hey, how was your day?" Okay, how was mine, you yeah. yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing. nothing. Another month goes by, nothing. Uh, but yeah, I think Matt, you said is like, how many people 
leave the industry and they're so close. Right. And once I had that sale, all of a sudden that gave me more confidence. Right. Confidence led to more success in the open houses. And then all of a sudden, I literally like two months later, I had one open house and I got like five clients out of one open house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Brittany was there helping me out. So I think he's a bread. That's a great turnover rate. I, mean, yeah. I used to come and do a couple of them. Yeah. I'd like let people in at the doors and stuff like that. You were just a flower. Hey, I'm just like, yeah, go on. Just come on. There, how many bedrooms are this? That's thing? right. I'm just the muscle here. You got to go drop the mark over <laughs> there. So I appreciate it. And I can't speak to this. He still does them because not more than 45 minutes ago, I did an open house flyer for more. Yeah. So I'm still up in that. I still believe in it. Uh, it's it is a great way. Uh, I look at it as now it's just a bucket of my business. It's it wasn't my only source of revenue in my business uh, when it first started, but I still use that. Uh, and for example, I had a listing in the West Loop uh, last month. I did uh, four open houses there, two weekends, Saturday and Sunday, back to back weekends. Uh, I got three possibly four active buyers out of it. Like when I say active, it's like we've gone to showings. Uh, and at that point, if you can't, if you built a rapport that you get up to a showing, like if you can't see that through, then like there's something wrong with your, you gotta look more under your hood to figure that what why can't you convert that? Uh, but it's more of like getting into the showing. Uh, that's when you can build a rapport, the one-on-one or FaceTime. Uh, and more importantly, just listening to that, right? Like, Mind that it's it's not rocket science, but like the biggest thing is creating a connection uh, and listening to what they want, and not setting up on a canned search that says here's forty fine properties, yeah, and they're five bedrooms. I only can only afford a two bedroom. Just annoy that. Uh, so it's very specific. Listening, listen, listen, asking those important open-ended questions that you can really pick apart what they're looking for to help them say. Giving you rolling, uh, rolling up the carpet. This is the the home that you want. Yeah. Are you interested? Yes or no. So then, what makes your open houses different from anyone else's? Because like open houses aren't uncommon. People yeah. do a lot of times. There's hundreds of. Them. Yeah. So like, what are you doing different or special that's allowing you to convert some of these? Yeah. Well, and I would actually say before we even say that, I, I would say it's important for people to know when you walk into an open house, few things. Number one, oftentimes the person sitting there is not the listing. So people immediately put their arms up in defense, like, I shouldn't talk to this person. Oftentimes, they're not the person who's listed the all. They're just sitting in the house to meet you when you walk through the door. So there is this nature of open houses, which is sort of two-sided. Number one is how you conduct an open house as a professional, as a representation of the seller and the seller's agent, assuming that's not you, because obviously you do sit your own open houses sometimes. The second part of that is your representation for a potential buyer that walks in it doesn't already have yeah. a buyer's agent. And in some cases, rare, but some cases you can actually represent both. You can yeah. be representing the seller in your listing. Buyer walks in like the neighbor that says, I want to write an offer. And you're, you can legally yeah. in Illinois represent both sides. So I think it's important for people listening to understand that when we're talking about representing open houses and meeting clients, it, it's not a conflict of interest to sit in an open house and meet a buyer because most times you're at that house specifically to meet buyer. That's the marketing strategy yeah. behind the open house, separate of the obvious bull, which is gain exposure and sell the home yeah. itself. So I just want to make that clear to everyone before yeah. you explain, you know, why what you do is so much different than how everybody else does it. Yeah. No, no, Matt, you 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 explained it perfectly because it is very confusing, especially the consumer with like they don't know how it operates. Right. Uh, <clears throat> you said it perfectly. You're either the listing agent and your goal there, the seller has entrusted you to give exposure to that listing to get as many bodies through. You only need one to connect to, to sell a home. But your fiduciary responsibility is, uh, and the way I operate my listing is, I'm, just, I'm not a dual agent. I, I That's one thing that I just... So you would hand it off. I would somebody comes in and says, Mark, I want to hand you this bag of cash for this house. You're like, hey, I represent the seller. Come to my, you know, counterpart. Exactly. Come to my teammates and say, listen, I'm here, the listing agent. If it's my listing, I will say that. Say, I'm the listing agent. I'm the expert at this property here. If you want to write an offer, you know, reach out to my colleague. I have the responsibility to the seller. So don't tell me what you want to do with the property because I can't respond to it. I'm only talking to the seller. Now reversing that, if... The strategy, if you're a new agent, is to get exposure to the 
buyers, if someone is entering a open house, the mindset is I'm intrigued, interested in potentially buying a house in probably in a year. It could be as long as a year or so, but sometimes it's like I'm looking to buy a home now. in the next now, next month, two, three, this. Because, you know, I have a client going to open house tomorrow, right? Because yeah. we did showings today, but she's like, oh, I'll go on Saturday. There's an open house. So you do get the people who are like, I want to buy right now. And I came here to see this. But you're right. You also get the, you know, we were walking back from the gym. We've always wanted to live in this neighborhood. We rent up the street yeah. and we saw your signs, yeah. right? And there's like a huge spectrum of who walks up. How many times do you get the nosy neighbor? Every open house. Every, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's the mindset of like that nosy neighbor also means you're probably an owner. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So yeah. like you, sometimes you're like, ah, oh, that was neighbor. Like, we, or then I'm like, I'm all in. I'm in. Hey, what's your story? Why do I like the doorway? Well, you, where are you at? Like sometimes a little bit creep hard to go like, look for, what's your unit number? But like, then they, you know, the idea is how hard are you willing to work to try to convert that potential person down yeah. the road? Like, right. I need someone who's a nosy neighbor. They always say, listen, I'm not looking to buy. I'm just new neighbor. They know they're wasting like, your time. Yeah. In the in the context of that opportunity, they're not buying their neighbor. Here for a bunch. I'm really interested in what I'm going to do. I'm trying to see what updates it did. I, I'm looking to maybe update my kitchen, and I treat it as a genuine approach to say, what do you like about the building? Right. You know, what union are you, or what floor are you on? How are your views? If they sign in, like, their information, if they're an owner, it's public knowledge. So, like, if you want to dig for that, you can look them up. And if you could, like, one thing that I do is I reverse it and say, hey, listen, Derek, who lives on the seventh floor, thanks for coming to my open house. You know what? Did you know your home was worth? And I said to seller's debt sheet. So I literally said, like, thanks for coming to my open house. Your home, if you told me you didn't have updates, you could sell for this. Do you want to know how much equity you're sitting on? Here are all the costs. Here's that. That is value add. One of the things that I try to do is provide value, but not spam people. Like, right. And that is a that is a long play. That I put it on like a I do like a monthly newsletter for that seller is my monthly newsletter has a bunch of data. It is like ninety percent data stats the neighborhood. So if I see someone opening it and I and I look at my follow ups six months later, they open everything. Uh, they're engaged. And that's some of this hitting them at the right time whenever they're ready. But to take a step back to say, what's the approach to the open houses? Uh, I broke it down into like four pillars. And so uh, I'm really excited to like, because it used to be all over the place. Everyone used to ask where he used to do presentations, like how, what's your formula to success? How are you able to convert open house uh, buyers that come through and I'm not? <laughs> the first thing to tell people, especially a new agent who's doing it, you're doing this for yourself, your benefit. The list agent loves you because they don't physically need to be at that open house. They can open up to either help with showings for other buyers. Bingo. Take the weekend off. Nice sunny summer Chicago uh, weekend, Saturday. Uh, but you're there and we're super grateful for that. They look like a hero to the seller because they say, hey, listen, we got an open house Saturday and Sunday. Unfortunately, and I can't come here, but a colleague of mine that I trust will do the best to represent your property. That is how it works. If you are a new agent or an agent trying to sit open houses, we're there to help the listing agent out. But the mindset changes is if you're there to just be the person that just opens the door and says, hey, thanks for coming to my open house. Here's a three bed, two bath. I'm yeah. going to be in the kitchen. Let me know if you have any questions. Please. You're literally just helping the realistic agent out to help bodies through there and the exposure of the unit. The time, effort, energy you invested, it's a waste of your time. You don't create any connections. Some buyers that come in are represented uh, by another buyer's agent. So that's something be with them. They might be with them too. Yeah. So like the approach is you don't want to step on any toes. If someone is working with a buyer's agent, like you don't, I wouldn't go after that. And I try to gauge, are they working with someone? Like, hey, listen. Yeah, accidents happen, but I, I know you well enough to know that if somebody's saying they're represented, you're not following up with them to, you know, try and sway them a different direction. And and here's the thing. There's certain things like tips that I found. And if someone is asking, like, a lot of your questions for you, like, hey, listen, tell me more about this. 
I say, hey, you know, by the way, is your agent going through this information, these stats? Because they look like they're hungry. And I'll go into how I have my setup at the open house. If I ask them, like, hey, you know, who's your, are you working with Asian? Yeah. Everybody says you? yes. Uh, great. What's their name? Uh, and they're always like, honey, what's, what's their name? Uh, what package are they wearing? I, I think, uh, like, they're not willing. If they're working with an agent, that agent hasn't done a good enough job to build a rapport, you got to know what's their name, what's a broker shit. So for me, that's an opportunity of like, you're not getting the value. I don't look at stepping out their toes. It's more yeah. of you, not that forcing you to work with me, right? Uh, I don't sign. I don't sign buyers agreements. Right. Like that is something of like if I if you want to fire me, you could fire me. Never respond to any of my phone calls or texts or emails. That's all good. That is on me for not giving you the value. And but I did look at it that vice versa. It's like that buyer's agent isn't giving the value if they're truly engaged with me. And they keep listening. I want to keep giving it to them. Yeah. Uh, so that's not. I don't look at that stepping in tone. Someone's like, I'm working with Matt Barrett Warner. Great. What's Matt's info so I could follow up to see if right. you're interested, so I can give that follow up to the listing agent to say, Hey, it's a busy job. You're working both angles because you do need to know. It's it's an odd world, but I I don't like closing open houses. Doesn't mean I don't know how to do it. Yeah. When you sat there, you know you have to reflect the information of the seller. And you want to know as much as possible so you don't sound like an idiot to the yeah. buyers coming through, and you don't want to look bad for the person you're representing, yeah. which is the list agent. But you're also in this mix of like my mindset is not on that. I need to know that. That's like the borderline to be here. But yeah. like focused on you, you're coming to me as a potential buyer. I'm really just trying to sift through whatever information and probably whatever first line of defense, yes, I have an agent excuse you're going to yeah. give me to see if there's an actual business opportunity there. Yeah. And that's really where you're excelling is focusing your energy less on wasted time and knowing everything about the listing and more on getting to know the actual individuals coming through to see that listing yeah. and what is their motivation and objective being there. You spot out. It's like my days of working at the front desk in my hotel it gets busy, right? You get everyone coming in off the airplane and they're checking in. How can you acknowledge that person at the back of the line to be like, I see you, I hear you. You look like you're getting frustrated because you have a question. We'll be there. Soon. Uh, but I'm still talking to the person that is trying to sign in. I use the same approach for open house. So my girl, your girl, if you're not a listening agent and you're trying to connect with buyers to turn into your clients to help them be, you want to become their buyer's agent, I look at this. Let's say... 10 parties come through, okay? Derek and I are having a great conversation. You're telling me about all the things that we're relating and we're like, we have so much in common. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, people come through. I'm not ignoring them because I'm still representing the best interests to the sellers mm -hmm. that like, I'm not turning my back to them, but I want to acknowledge them and say, hey guys, here's the deal. I got a whole spec sheet over here. Quick rundown, 15 seconds, three bedroom, two bath. Updates happen here. Oh, but, but, but. Let me know. I would recommend checking out the bedroom room. Sweet double vanity. I'll be hanging out over here. Let me know if you have any questions. Right. There you now acknowledge of nine other parties without stopping my conversation with Derek. Yeah. So if they want more, they will come back and say, I'm open and receptive to listening. And I will read the body language and say, Mark, I know you're in this conversation, but I might have a follow-up question. You have to read the room like a concierge. So the listing agent is in the best light. The sellers are getting the their whatever their story is about the property, but I'm not ignoring my conversation with Derek because that is most likely who I'm building rapport with, who I'm creating the connection that is going to want to continue talking to me. Right. So my four pillars, I've dumbed it down into these easy things. One, setting up for success. It is starts with how are you approaching the open house? And this is like, without even go talking about the property, I go into InfoSparks. So I have graphs printed out and I leave normally on a kitchen counter that have like the supply, what's the inventory looking like, what's the price points for two bedrooms, what are some clubs, and I have it laid out there. And typically, if someone is buying, let's say this, a cup, one person is more emotionally inclined about the property they like they like the the views the features of the kitchen and then let's say the other person is more analytical 
I just found that in couples that one person rides the analytical wave, the other person rides the emotional, I can see myself making this at home. Your goal is to connect with both of them. So when I connect with the analytical people, I have graphs. Yeah. It's just visually appealing. They're like, what is this? They just naturally gravitate. That is how you can build confidence, rapport. I'm an analytical person. We connect and let's continue talking. How do you connect with a person who is more emotional? You're asking those open-ended questions. Hey, what do you like about this? So setting up for the open house, having the graphs printed out. I'm really big up to Zenless. If you guys don't have Zenless, it is a phenomenal real estate app that has the biggest value add as you would see off-market, upcoming private listings coming on, and they aggregate it into nice, super user-friendly experience. I really try to push that because it allows for me to create that instant connection with them. I have their contact information. I could see what they're helping, uh, see what they're looking at. You can create that like, Facebook messenger experience where it's just more like a chat. Um, setting up for success is, that's one part to get ready for the open house. The other part is like, how do you actually do it? I'm an open house sign bandit. I have a minimum of like eight signs that I do. Like some people do like one, two signs. The goal is to get the random people who are going to Starbucks to be like, oh, honey, let's go check Oh, let's go look at that. Oh, that's so cute. Let's go check that out. Yeah. Most of the people who are intrigued, not looking today, but maybe working in like six months. So the more signs I have, more I have success with getting random people who are not represented by an agent, uh, that their buyer's agent sent them to an open house because they weren't available, but they randomly went there. And my open house signs is pretty strategic, but super simple. The worst thing to do an open house sign if you're a new agent you go to your brokerage, they're getting a big sign. It just says brokerage with a random phone number. That's not even your phone number with an arrow. Yeah. And then you plop it there and no one knows how to get into the property. And they just have an arrow pointing to the building. I see that like every time I drive in the weekend, I'm like, dude, you're just wasting your time. You invested all this energy to try to set up for success, try to convert some people. People you got to get into your... Well, I love when I say the agent, park in front, pull out one sign that says door open and then walk right in. Yeah. Like, oh, cool. You did a lot of prep work. No, the thing. <laughs> open house is really slow. <laughs> like, yeah, because people can't get in there. So I I, I do where like a, uh, one side of it has like a seven page, a uh, seven photo flyer of it. Yeah. And so people could visually see it. The other one has uh, a QR code so they get the scanning. Uh, and then the other one is like my phone number how to call me or text me to get into the property. I put that out there and I get people in there. The second pillar that I have is like creating connection. So the idea is how can you get someone into the house without like blowing them up? Be like, hey, sign in right away. Thanks for coming. And like they get overwhelmed or like they're like, oh, I'm going to send you my spam phone number or spam email. You're like every other person who just asked my contact information right away and just won't stop talking all up in my face. So my approach is give them some space, build a rapport, let them linger to the a section of the house. Ask, hey, what is, you know, what did you like about the master bedroom? Is it large enough? You're trying to identify their must-haves and what I call the must-haves and the perks. That is the buyer's presentation in a nutshell. If you have the buyer, what are the top five things that are important to them? And what are the like perks I would like to have, but not important? You've done the buyer's presentation. You don't have to sit down for 30 minutes. You have that. You can work on follow-ups off of that. Mm-hmm. But it's important because you're listening to them. Right. You're understanding what they're looking for so you can get value, follow up with them, specifically what they want. So the second pillar is creating those connections. You're trying to build a rapport through that. The third pillar is asking for the second date. So what I've learned and what I've trained a lot of agents is do all this groundwork. You set up for success. You have all the signs out there. You're creating the connection. And here's what happens. Derek, really great connecting with you. Uh, you know, thanks again for coming by. Uh, I really appreciate it. We'll be in touch. Yeah. You respond. Yeah. Thanks again, Mark. See you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks again for all the info. They close the door and you're like, oh, now I got to follow up with them, right? Now I got to do this follow-up. 
And the thing that you haven't identified is where do they stand in where, where are they in that process? So I look at it as a second date is you're trying to close the deal right then and there. So for example, instead of we built a rapport, we were talking, we're being acid, uh, we created this connection. So now it's more like, hey, Derek, really great connecting with you. I'm going to send you a Zealous app. I know what you're looking for. You only want penthouses in River North. I'm going to, I think I saw one when I was going through preparing for open houses. I'm going to send that to you. Are you cool if we meet up this afternoon? It sounds like you're around the neighborhood. Could we go through maybe a couple of these penthouses to see if any of them hit here, what you're looking for? Yeah. And your response saying, no, no. All good. No worries. Uh, I'll still send it to you. I'll shoot you a text about it. Just let me know your thoughts. So the good thing about asking for that second date is now I know where Derek stands. He just flat out said it. No. Like, you know, it's like, yeah, I, I'm good right now. Thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. So you can work the, that. The last pillar is now your follow-up strategy. He said, no, I asked for that appointment and he said, no. It's not a no forever. It's more like, no, I'm not interested right now. If you give enough value over time, that no might turn into, Mark, this penthouse looks pretty sweet. Yeah. Great. When do you want to see it? Tonight? Sweet. There you go. That is that appointment. Once you get them on a, once you show a property with them, I look at it as like, either they're going to, like, at that point, the deal is set to, like, you should be able to close that deal if they want to really buy a place. If they don't want it or it shakes out, at least you have a, a client. I look at a client for life. They don't want to buy this year, great. Next year, great. Third year, we're going to work together until you decide to buy. They're going to buy a house. Oh, they're going to buy so, so that's the mindset of, like, asking for the second date lets you identify your follow-up strategy of where they are in the process. If someone's like, Mark, not right now, but X. So that means flat out no. Like no one has ever said like, Mark, I hate you. Never contact yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Never contact me and Gary. And some people are just like super cold and that might not be the right person for me. When you're starting as an agent uh, and you have a lot of time, you can really think about your follow-up strategy. Why not? When I'm, Doing the open houses, I'm still doing the open houses. It is a part of my bucket of business. But my goal is I see one client from an open house. If I did two open houses a weekend, I get two clients a weekend. That's pretty good. So if I have 10 bodies come through and someone's like flat out like no mark, like I might not invest a lot of my time and effort into following up with it. If someone's like, Mark, you know, it was really awesome connecting with you, but like we need like two weeks because we're trying to figure out this work transition. Great. They said, reach out to me in two weeks. Right. And, and now I know instead of doing a drip campaign of where they are and trying to add value with it, I'm going to follow up in two weeks. When we are ready because I know where they stand because I asked for that second day. Right. Yeah. So my last pillar is like the follow-up process. So I have a drip campaign. It's not overcomplicated, but it's more of how can I add value over time through either text, through Zenless, through the app, off-market private properties, and then through data through my monthly news. Right. So if people over time, if I'm looking at it, they're not looking at any of my stuff or responding to it. After a couple of weeks, I just say, they don't like me. That's yeah. cool. And let them go. Off to the next one. Yeah. I think we're follow-up. For sure. I think that's probably the hardest part, right? It's the prep and the follow-up. I mean, how do you spend your intention there? That probably comes with practice, which yeah. most people just need more of. But the prep and the follow-up, you do control. And that's just effort and going right. through the action cycles. Um, I'm curious. I mean, obviously, we've given the context now. You've been doing this for a long time. What's the results? I mean, what has this done for your business last year? You know, how many clients were you able to close using open house? Do you know? like I ran stats from, like, since I started. Uh, so this is when I got started in my first open house lead of the P15 to now... Uh, I've closed since I started real estate, I've closed over hundred billion dollars of transactions about like just under 30 billion came from open house connection, either wow. directly. I bet you at open house or I bet about open house that they decided to sell, buy another place, or they referred someone. So, you know, almost a third of my business came from 
open houses. So, I mean, if you're thinking about starting in real estate and you need a bucket to invest time in, I mean, yeah. there you go. Out of 100 million, 30 million of it, that's pretty easy now, oh, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, particularly because I, I would agree with you. I think when you're starting where most people can get into open houses is it's free. You don't have to put it right. I mean, other than gas, I guess, just to get there. But yeah. that's that's the hardest thing. It's your time. Um, you know, for me, time is the exchange. You nailed it right on the head. The trade-off for me is, for my listings, I hire people to do the open houses by hire. I mean, I just let the agents go. I'm not paying them. But they come and they do the open houses for me because my time for me on the weekends is better spent taking out buyers, talking yeah. with clients, hell, doing personal stuff like being home or being with friends who eventually become clients anyway than it is sitting at the open houses. Now, that's not always true. This year, things have slowed down on some weekends, so I'm back in the mindset of, okay, I could do an open house again. It's all about how you approach it, being in the right mindset, how you follow up. But it doesn't, I think what most people forget is, and actually where you and I could probably relate, is open house leads are no different than me than how I meet people through social media. Yeah. You connect, you have a warm introduction, now you're through that phase. They like yeah. you, they want to work with you, but it's your ability to follow up with them, yep. to make that connection real, and to continue to be relevant when the decision-making time comes. And that's the hard part, right? Um, and it's really all about just sticking to it. Yeah. One thing that I wanted to mention about Derek is, especially at the beginning where we were like one of the first to do these property flyers. The biggest thing is like what Derek does great. Uh, he, for all my open houses, he puts together the sheet that pretty much says, if you bought this home at this list price, here's a breakdown. What average buyer, the simplest things want to know was what is my monthly all in? Yeah. yeah. What, what, is what, the, what is the cost? Right? If I put, and he do put together at like five, 10, 15, 20% down, so when you're at the open house and someone's like, oh, you know, my rent is $3,000 a month. Uh, and I asked like, hey, you know, do you have an idea what you plan on putting down? I have no idea. Well, here you go. Let's look at this graph. You know, like if, if you put $50,000 down, if you look at the all rate, you pretty much be at the same price right now where you're paying for rent. Right. Oh my gosh, I had no idea. I either have to save that much or uh, I... I'm doing pretty well with with where I'm at. So that was super helpful, especially in the beginning when we're when I was trying to create value. And now they're more relevant. But in 2015, 2016, these property flyer breakdowns, like you had like well, now rates are flush. I mean, hell, you could tour an open house last weekend and then go to one this weekend, and the difference is going to be notice of yeah, yeah interest yeah, rate. Right. You know, so it's important. I mean, the the open house resources I always think are pretty like important right yeah like if you're just gonna be there and just sit there and just open up the door what are you doing value value at everything right how are you delivering value even when you're sitting in an open house yeah. for a couple hours literally sitting like how are you delivering value yep. to the person you're representing maybe the seller how are you representing the buyer that's the whole spin on it so so i'm curious where does this go and maybe where we can take this to kind of wrap it up for our for our episode would be what would you advise anybody who's trying to get in this do you obviously have a system now and, yeah. and i i know that you're doing um i guess i would call it seminars or coaching yeah. seminars on this that are available for new agents to come and yeah. to join and to learn from you that's awesome and we're going to make sure we'll link in the show notes access so that you can get in touch with mark if you want to participate in that somebody's walking in right now they're like i want to do the mark wallet system i get the four buckets where would you start like they're sitting in the office today yep. and they want to start planning next weekend. So here's the best advice. If you want to get into open houses, the most, most important thing you need to do is build confidence. The only way to build confidence is through knowledge and data, understanding the neighborhood. So instead of spending your time, you're a big social media guy, instead of spending your time, I learned the complete opposite. It's easy to do the social media when you're in the beginning phases. Like, oh, look so at many time. Like this, look me have this pretty looking listing. I'm so amazing. This million right. dollar listing. You should work with me. But I always, I still agree that if you're, if you don't have success, and people are seeing that million dollar listing, like, okay. But instead of spending that time because it's easy, it's fun. You invest it, and I look at it as. Building the knowledge, doing the info sparks, understanding different neighborhoods—that's going to pay huge dividends. Because then, when you meet someone at a random open house and they're just there because they thought it was a pretty-looking unit, but they're really looking at the Gold Coast, right? You could spit off 
You know, Gold Coast, two bedrooms, two baths, say your expectations are around 450. You build instant credibility like that. And so that is where you should spend your effort and energy is understanding, you know, and don't get so narrow-minded. Like, I want to be a ex-neighborhood agent. Yeah. In the beginning, you can everything. know yeah. everything because it'll help paint the picture so you have the confidence that when you meet someone, instantly build a rapport with that because they trust you because you see confident you pursue this knowledge of data. I think you couldn't, I mean, nail it on the head. I actually think about this a lot with Derek. I really appreciate for anybody who's ever worked with Derek, his approach to how he handles business is you know the data, you don't put it in somebody's face. You present a very approachable, you know, upfront, but I know in the background you've got everything locked. I think Mark and I leave data heavy. I'm going to shove data and graph down your throat. <laughs> but that's because I just got value brains. But then it gives our balance. I need to do the top three. To tour guide. As a tour guide, your goal was to create a good store that's digestible. Right. People would overwhelm the lending side when you're like, you know, like I've been on the phone and you're like, hey, guys, you know, your, your principal interest this and it goes up the interest rate. Do you want to buy down points? And you lose them, but right. you gotta need to. You're at the story of right. But if you make it easy and you know why, yeah. And that's what I would recommend for all agents. And what Mark just said perfectly is whether you use it or not, you need to know your shit. Yeah, <laughs> right. Hundred percent. You gotta start with a basis of understanding. And I think where our industry got too far away from was it got really easy to sell a house without knowing anything about it. Yep. And now we're getting back to the point where it's not, and we're seeing it. That's why deals are ugly. That's why contracts aren't filled out the right way. It's because people have moved away from the fundamentals of we are professionals. We're supposed to be the industry leaders in this. And so when you say, I take time to learn the stats of the neighborhood, that's exactly how it's supposed to be, yeah. right? And when I get on social media and I talk, you know, I can make those videos because frankly, I know what the fuck I'm talking about, yeah, right? It took years to get the experience yeah. before I could stand there on a, on a platform and say that to the world. And I think with you, it's the same thing with open houses, right? You weren't talking about open house success until it fed the growth through your business yep. now to the point where you can disseminate knowledge, right? So for any agent out there, if you're looking to get started and you want to work with Mark in particular on refining your open house game, we'll make sure that you have that contact information. I think if you take anything away from today, start with the data, start by putting in the hours and remember that your time, particularly when you don't have the resources otherwise to spend, is something you can always dedicate to getting back. So time is a valuable thing. Uh, I, I think... That's a great place to end this. You got anything else for us today, Derek? Like I said at the beginning, I was highly, highly excited for this one. I think it lived up to expectations. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm excited to be on. We're going to have to do a part two. We'll see. Part two, all of your scenes. What's the Yeah, yeah. Like, Derek and Sierra song. Yeah. Yeah, song. That's amazing. So, Mark, thank you for making hey, time. Thank you, guys. Right. We'll talk to you soon. Stuff.